Hey there, this is Luke, and I'm going to read an essay that I wrote years ago. Genesis and the Agana Sutta Compared. An analysis on the origins of our human experience. This essay is intended to compare two pieces of scripture which detail the origins of the earth and life on the earth up to the troubles of mankind. The first piece of scripture is from the Bible, namely the book of Genesis. The second is the Agana Sutta, a Buddhist text in which Gautama the Buddha tells a story explaining how the caste that his family was in came to be, and the other castes as well. That part of the Sutta has been omitted since there is no comparative verse in Genesis. I will take a few liberties as I interpolate the comparisons between the two documents. I do this with the knowledge that neither of these compositions originate in English, though they are both presented in such here. As such, there are certainly shades of subtleties and word meanings in the originals that we could only wish to understand. That being said, let us begin at the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was waste and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. From the Sutta, there comes a time, Vasetha, when sooner or later, after a long period, this world contracts. At a time of contraction, beings are mostly born in the Abhisara Brahma world, and there they dwell, mind-made, feeding on delight, self-luminous, moving through the air, glorious, and they stay like that for a very long time. But sooner or later, after a very long period, this world begins to expand again. At a time of expansion, the beings from the Abhisara Brahma world, having passed away from there, are mostly reborn in this world. Here they dwell, mind-made, feeding on delight, self-luminous, moving through the air, glorious, and they stay that Say that like stay like that for a very long time. So here we have the beginning, the heavens and the earth created or contracted and then expanded. Much the same thing, perhaps. Our current scientific model seems to support the expansion of the material universe from the Big Bang, and the Big Bang model was proposed by a Jesuit priest, so this all ties together nicely. And then, again from the Sutta. At that period, Visatha, there was just one mass of water, and all was darkness, blinding darkness. Neither moon nor sun appeared, no constellations or stars appeared, night and day were not yet distinguished, nor months, fortnights, years, and seasons. There was no male or female, beings being reckoned just as beings. And sooner or later, after a very long period of time, savory earth spread itself over the waters, where these beings were. It looked just like the skin, the skin that forms itself over hot milk as it cools. It was endowed with color, smell, and taste. It was the color of fine ghee or butter, and it was very sweet, like pure wild honey. So here, you know, uh, and I'm completely deviating out of the essay to highlight, you know, that in our comparison here, from the sutta, we have uh, a world which is covered in water, which is uh, contains the presence of these beings, which are self-luminous, which means that they need no light. There are no lights in the skies. Um, there is no time. There are no seasons. Um, 
there's this there's this spirit over the water, just like we find at the at the the beginning of Genesis in verse two. The earth was waste and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Back to Genesis, verse 3, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, one day. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning, a second day. And then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day. Now, we're going to jump back over to the Sutta. Then some being of a greedy nature said, I say, what can this be? Remember, we're dealing just with the earth as a body of water with thin, thin skin of earth that has begun to appear. And this being tasted the savory earth on its finger. And so doing it became taken with the flavor and craving arose in it. Then other beings, taking their cue from that one, also tasted the stuff at their fingers. They too were taken with the flavor and craving arose in them. So they set to with their hands, breaking off pieces of the stuff in order to eat it. And the result was that their self-luminance disappeared. And as a result of the disappearance of their self-luminance, the moon and the sun appeared. Night and day were distinguished, months and fortnights appeared, and the year and its seasons. To that extent, the world re-evolved. So here we have beings that created the world by interacting with it and by taking this film into themselves and thickening themselves from the domain of spirit into the gross material nature. Not gross like ugh, but you know, um, less subtle. Back to Genesis. We had left off with God said, let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven, to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, a fourth day. Now, here we have the same events again. The order is a little different in which each describes the events. Did the solidity arise before the lights went out in the heavens? Is it significant? Could it be simultaneous? We also have a difference in the Judaic mythology. It's indicated God in the singular, and the Buddhist mythology indicates these Brahma, Brahmic beings in the plural. But there is some concurrence here too. 
another thing also happens here. At this point in my selected quote, God stops seeing things are good after the fourth day. Also, with the manifestation of the earth and then the greediness of the beings, losing their self-luminance by partaking of the solidity atop of the waters, it develops for me a question. What did God see that was so good? Did he see that the new thing was good? This new development? Or did he see that what had been was good? And God saw that it was good. Or, and God saw that it was good. Perhaps these divine beings, as God, is seeing that what was was better than what has become. Or maybe God, as a greedy being, is seeing the pleasure and the craving that is arising from this interaction, and, and that is the goodness that it is apprehending. But it's a matter of perspective. You know, we see ourselves in this conundrum of how do we get back to God? And it's easy to think, yeah, wow, it was good before the greed and the craving and the heaviness settled in. Back to the scripture from Genesis. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after their kind, and the cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. This is where the Judaic God takes a moment to be plural as man is created in our image. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And those beings continued for a very long time, feasting, this is back to the sutta, continued feasting on this savory earth, feeding on it and becoming nourished by it. And as they did so, their bodies became coarser, and a difference in looks developed among them. Some being became good-looking, others ugly. And the good-looking ones despised the others, saying, We are better looking than they are. And because they became arrogant and conceited about their looks, the savory earth disappeared. At this they came together and lamented, crying, Oh, that flavor! Oh, that flavor! And so nowadays when people say, Oh, that flavor, when they have something nice, they are repeating an ancient saying without realizing it. Back to Genesis, and God said, Behold, I have given you every herb yielding seed which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for food. And to every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. 
And out of the ground made Jehovah God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Jehovah God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And Jehovah God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And then, when the savory earth disappeared, a fungus cropped up. This is back to the sutta. In the manner of a mushroom. It was of good color, smell, and taste. It was the color of fine ghee or butter, and it was very sweet, like wild, pure wild honey. And those beings set to and ate the fungus, and this lasted for a very long time. And they continued to feed on the fungus, so that their bodies became coarser still. And the difference in their looks increased some more. And the good-looking ones despised the other, and because they became arrogant and conceited about their looks, the sweet fungus disappeared. Now creepers appeared, shooting up like bamboo, and they too were very sweet, like pure wild honey. And those beings set to and fed on those creepers, and as they did so, their bodies became even coarser still, and the difference in their looks increased still more, and they became still more arrogant, and so the creepers disappeared too. At this time, they came together and lamented, crying, Alas, our creepers are gone. What have we lost? And so now, today, when people want being asked why they are upset, say, Oh, what we have lost. They are repeating an ancient saying without realizing it. And then, after the creepers had disappeared, rice appeared in open spaces, free from powder and from husks, fragrant and clean grain, and what they had taken in the evening for supper had grown again and was ripe in the morning, and what they had taken in the morning for breakfast was ripe again by evening, with no sign of reaping. And these beings set to and fed on this wild rice, and this lasted for a very long time. And as they did so, their bodies became coarser still, and the difference in their looks became even greater. And the females developed female sex organs, and the males developed male sex organs. And the women became excessively preoccupied with the men, and the men with the women. Owing to this excessive preoccupation with each other, passion was aroused, and their bodies burnt with lust. And later, because of this burning, they indulged in sexual activity. But those who saw them indulging threw dust, ashes, or cow dung at them, crying, Die, you filthy beast! How can one being do such things to another? Back to the scriptures of the gospel of Genesis. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was she came out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and the wife, and they were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which Jehovah God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, Of the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall see, shall be as God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired 
to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and she gave also unto her husband with her that he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, in toil shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return to the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Back to the Sutta. Now it occurred to one of those beings who was inclined to laziness, well now why should I be bothered to gather rice in the evening for supper, and again in the morning for breakfast? Why shouldn't I gather it all at once for both meals? And he did so. Then another one came to him and said, Come, let's go rice gathering. He replied, No need, my friend, I've gathered enough for both meals. Then the other, following his example, gathered enough rice for two days at a time, saying, That should be about enough. Then another being came to that second one and said, Come, let's go rice gathering. No need, my friend, I gathered enough for two days. This one did four, then eight. However, when those beings made a store of rice and lived on that, husk powder and husk began to envelop the grain, and where it was reaped it did not grow again, and the cut place showed, and the rice grew in separate clusters. Then Vasetta, one greedy-natured being, while watching over his own plot, took another plot that was not given him, and enjoyed the fruits thereof. So they seized hold of him and said, You've done a wicked thing taking another's plot like that, don't ever do such a thing again. I won't, he said, but he did the same thing a second and again a third time. Again he was seized and rebuked, and some hit him with their fists, some with stones and some with sticks, and in this way Vesepta, taking what was not given, and censuring and lying and punishment took their origin. One little quick note from uh, Genesis, jumping ahead quite a bit, and then Cain killed Abel. And so we live to this day. And to me, the element that sticks out in the comparison between these two texts is that in the Torah, everything is fine until there's one great sin, one significant and inexplicable transgression of all of the sudden, which after which things are very much unwell. Whereas with the polycanon, we find that things get gradually worse, with each selfish or lazy decision made by these beings turning themselves worldly by the continual application of their judgment. Such a stark difference perhaps explains why one tradition seems to suggest that we must wait for God to eventually restore mankind to a pristine state, and the other that we must discover this state by releasing the very same ill nature that created it. Also, the Messiah of that first tradition already stopped by and told on us to work on it for ourselves as well. So that's, um, yeah, that's the essay that I wrote a long time ago, and there's a lot more that I'd like to say, but this was really just a recording exercise for a little while. Um, so that I can, you know, just get my chops moving, get things flowing, and also, like, revisit that, um, 
revisit that essay because this is really something that I definitely want to unpack uh, and probably even make into the first episode of my podcast. So I'm glad this happened. Uh, it's going to give me something to work with, and we'll play more with it later. So that's 20 minutes recorded, and I feel good about that.